0: welcome everybody to crosstalk we have a special guest today my friend blake is here and blake is gonna tell us all about why he's sitting in our chair today so i'm really proud really happy to welcome my friend blake to crosstalk hi blake
1: hi corey hi thank you thanks
0: thank for being here appreciate your sharing and, and coming and being with us and spending some time with uh, our talk listeners.
1: Yeah, it's an honor to, to get asked and, and to show up and to be able to show up. My name is Blake Porter. I'm from Adams, New York, which is about an hour south of Canada. Grateful to be from upstate New York. So I'm honored to be here, first of all. Just, this is this is really beautiful what you're doing, and I'm really glad to be a part of it and, sh- and share my story and that I, I get you know to share it because however long ago I wouldn't wouldn't have been able to uh, to do this just talking to just be doing something like this would have been terrifying I couldn't even form a sentence back in the day so yeah I grew up in upstate New York beautiful family didn't want for anything I had an older sister you know my family my my parents you know really good people they got divorced when I was when I was 12 that's not why I became a drug addict and uh alcoholic I truly believe I you know, was born with this this disease and just from a very young age felt uncomfortable and, and you know, discontent and just different than other people. I Like, I, I had everything I could want. I had great friends, was a good athlete. I had, I had you know, things going and I just felt different.
0: At what age uh, did you recognize there was a difference between you and, you know, the other kids that
1: you were hanging with? That's a great question I, and I honestly, it was like this, like, I had this like ec- existential, thing happened to me when I was like 11 or 12 where it's crazy, like it was around, around that age and that's right w- when I picked up my first drink but I like looked out the window one night and it was like pitch black and I had this like this dread of like, it felt like I got hit with consciousness of like what is going on and it, and it just became fear of just like being a human being like it was, I just remember this very vividly that's when I feel like I got terrified of just being a human being when I was like 12 years old and ran downstairs and I asked my mom, I was like, mom, wh- what's going on? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just like this, us talking, What? What is, what is this? And she's like, I have no idea. She goes, I think about that all the time. And I was just like, right around that time is when I picked up a drink, it was, it was so weird. So when you
0: say right around that time you picked up a drink, you weren't in the house with your mom in the kitchen, you were with friends
1: and it became available through some so my sister was you know four years older than me and her friends were always drinking and my family i come from a town people drink like that's what that's what people do so like there's alcohol all the time i don't remember the first time i I drank but it was around that same time when i like was having like these huge feelings of discomfort i remember being obsessed immediately i I took that drink and you know just felt like i could breathe and felt you know that was my solution and i and i became obsessed immediately it was like fear of the unknown you think? I, I, th- I, don't know. I don't know what it was. I think it's just like the, the question of how did we get here. They say there's a hundred forms of fear. Mine was one. What the fuck is going on? There's an expression that I've heard in uh, fellowship
0: meetings where people describe themselves as feeling like they were wearing a black tuxedo but brown shoes mm. to describe the fact that they didn't feel like they w- were fit in. Mm. But that's not exactly what you're talking no. about. You're talking about something different, something where everything just seemed like it didn't make any sense to you.
1: Yeah, it, it was the bigger picture of how did we get on this planet? What is this unit? Like those kind of wow. questions. That At 12 years old, like before that happened, I was like playing basketball in my, in my room. Like there's a little hoop on your door and I was just like shooting it. And then I look out the window and I'm like, what the? That was my fear, just like this existence. Did you talk to anybody about this besides your mom? No, I drank. I drank and did drugs and that, and that you know, honestly, like that curbed the, the fear and it just like propelled me to like not think about, like the, to escape. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted to do all the time. And so at 12-ish? 11 or 12 started drinking and I drank alcoholically immediately. I was drinking and driving at 12 years old. My, yeah, I stole well, my. That, In Upstate New York, that's probably normal. <laughs> Par for the course. Yeah. Like, a couple of my friends would we would drink, and like I said, but my my sister was older, and I wanted to be cool, and you know I I had a you know I was really good at drinking. Were you good at driving? Yeah, I didn't have any consequences that night, at least. Where did you drive to? I don't know who left me home alone, but my my dad was out of town. You know, didn't live where we lived, and my sister and mom were out of town. And I I took her car and. Just drove around town and my buddy, two of my buddies were were in the car and I was drunk. I was like, all right, we gotta, we gotta get back home. And I was like trying to turn around and I put my blinker on and I'm like, am I good? Am I good? And my buddy's like, yeah, you're good. You got the wrong blinker on, but, but you're good. Because I like had the right blinker and I was going left. No accident, got home safe and wow kept it moving a precocious 12 year
0: old yeah all your friends were doing the same kind of thing you hung out with people who were also drinking any any drugs
1: at this time or just mainly alcohol so at 12 years old i thought the, the bad kids were smoking pot like that's what the bad kids were doing meanwhile i'm drinking and driving thinking i'm a good kid from like 12 to 16 it was just alcohol every probably four or five days a week then when you get to 16 left turn, right turn. I don't mean with a blinker. I don't know if it was a 180 or what kind of turn it was. It was a veer. My buddy was living at college, got into pot at that time. I went to visit him and we smoked and I was it was cool, it was a nice vibe. Bob Marley was playing the whole, the whole deal. It took me like 15 to 20 times to get high. I, I don't know if it's a tolerance thing but like I kept trying and once I finally got high I was like holy shit this. Alcohol is great but this is what I like. How old were you when you started doing more than pot? 16. I was on the basketball team and I was like B's, C's, student, you know, just showing up and all I wanted to do was escape reality and that weed and the music and the, you know, hanging with your friends, going into the woods, like that was doing the trick. And then three months later, I'm sniffing coke, taking pills, taking mushrooms, and then going to basketball practice the next day. Any consequences? not really i mean i think that's where i learned how to like develop this persona or the defects of like being able to lie and just get by and so people wouldn't really ask questions like people were like i was getting in a little bit of trouble but nothing like legally or my mom was like on to me a little bit but she, i was it was her and i in the house my dad was gone and i did just enough to get by sisters out of the house at this point Yup. sisters in college <laughs> university of buffalo a party out there too you visited your sister oh yeah you learned more more there oh yeah and I learned more about music. I, I knew enough about drugs already, but I, they taught me about good music, right, right there. Yeah. So I'm, you know, a senior, and my, I, I'm sitting with my guidance counselor, and it's like two months till school's done. She's like, "What are you, do, what are you doing after school?" And I'm like, "What?" I was like, "Where's my buddy go, going to school? My buddy Nick. It's like, he's going to Paul Smith's to play basketball." And I was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll just go there." She, I, had no pl- I had no plan, no design, no direction. So I go to the school. Paul Smith, which is in the Adirondacks, and I took business there, and it was like a woodsman forestry school. There was like 10 people in the business program. So you went up there to study business. Mm-hmm. Where
0: is the college?
1: It's in Saranac Lake, like Lake Placid area. But before we we
0: started our, our interview, you said you love uh, the Saratoga yep. Capital District yep. area. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. part of that? That's part of it, yeah. It's, it's the Adirondacks. It's away from society, I guess. And I, I think at that point, that's what it was. I was like, I just want to be, left alone, and really I just wanted to do drugs and not have to show up for life, you know? Right. That, that helped out there. You're a Woods guy, mm-hmm. so you, you get up to Lake Saranac
0: College, mm-hmm. you're partying, you're, are you passing your courses? Because you're, you're accelerating, I
1: assume, some of your drug and alcohol use. Yeah, that's the f- only year I went to school. Like, I tried going to s- school a couple other times. but that year I did, I did good, and did good, which is like a 2.5, which to me was incredible. Better than 2.4. Uh, better than 2.4. That's how you look at it, and I agree. That's what my bowling coach used to say. Seven is better than six. Yeah, I love that. It's the two-degree shift. Right. And at that time, it was morphine, it was Coke, it was mushrooms, it was acid, it was a lot of beer. Alcohol was always with me. The opiates kind of took over at one point.
0: So you go to college for one year. Mm-hmm what happens at the end of the first the,
1: the first year of school so I'm, I'm dating a girl who's a year younger than me she doesn't want to live out there so i moved to ithaca with her that's where i learned about resentment because i was like man i loved it up there i was doing you know i was doing fine you know 2.5 it was amazing so i moved to ithaca with her try to go to this community college and i just start I don't, sh- I don't show up for anything. And when I share my story, it's like I got sober at 29 and I stopped having fun at 19 years old. And I, that's right around the time I moved to Ithaca and it just became just dark and it was just pure drug addiction. Went to a community college yeah. in Ithaca after one year. I was enrolled at a community college. I did not go to it. And when I say my drug use ramped up at that time, me trying to escape reality even more, I'll say, which led to more drugs and more like because obviously I wasn't doing the right thing. You know, I wasn't going to school. I wasn't on a good path. And that led to me wanting to escape the reality of that. I hide from that and who I was from like 19 to 29. It was a blur. I, I, I know I moved back home to Adams, New York. Listen, you can't move
0: on Crosstalk. You can't move from 19 to 29. <laughs> that quickly it's not you're, possible. Gonna, you're gonna get it
1: out of me let's go let's, I'm ready I've been trying to figure it out for you know the last five years I we gotta me. get mom on this That's what I've been. she s- can tell you what happened I've been saying this for so I wish that my family could when I speak at you know fellowship meetings just say pause hold on I'm gonna I give be, you my mother I, I'm gonna put yeah it would be a great share if, I, if all your family could tell you what was happening because right. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably telling it wrong anyway so
0: right well you know our audience has no idea what happened either so <laughs> You know, just make it up. <laughs> the tr- it's gotta be the truth. <laughs> 1920 to 29,
1: you're using uh, Accelerate's and you're, you're just kind of on a run. Okay, so I'm living in Adams, 20 to 21, doing nothing, dead end jobs, you know, washing dishes, losing those jobs, smoking weed, drinking, coke. One close friend back, you know, at that time died. That ramped the drug use up even more. And it also, at that time, helped me co-sign it. You know, people were like, oh, you know, that's, I understand, you know, he. this is why he's doing that. Your friend, uh, first name? David. David died from an overdose? No, it was a car accident. Did it have to do with drugs and alcohol? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, touchy, touchy one. Sorry. I was a drug addict and drunk from 12 years old. Like, that wasn't why, you know, the divorce wasn't why. It was mm-hmm. like, Like a lot of my friends had that experience and they didn't you know turn into a heroin addict but for me when i was using everything that happened
0: most of it happened wasn't great and i could use that to give me a reason to keep going hundred percent yeah so david dies and during this period of time you kind of it's a blackout period i guess
1: that's what i call it yeah i think it was it was uh you know ptsd it was trauma it was Alcohol, it was drugs from 20 to 22. I was living I I moved to Glens Falls, New York Which is near Saratoga again. I was I tried to become a dog walker out there. That's a whole other story So what are the qualifications to become a dog walker? My sister had a friend who needed her dog walked You were able to walk (laughs) And she said my brother is at doing absolutely nothing. Maybe he can walk this dog and then I said, Allison, you got any other friends that, you know, that, that need their dogs? I had two clients that bought me some beer. And at certain times
0: during the day, you were able to walk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, uh, sounds yeah. perfect. Yeah,
1: it was, that's, the, that's the requirements right there. How old are you at this point? 21 or 22, again, doing nothing, same old shit. My dad, down the line, he, he learns when he goes to, to visit me at treatment for the you know, first and only time. He's an enabler. What age? First and only was 29 when the story, that part of the story ended.
0: So at 21, you're with your sister, mm-hmm. Glens Falls, dog walking. Yep. Between then and, and 29, uh, not much changes.
1: You're not walking dogs for, for eight years. No. Well, I, I, and I'm just saying that I was funding all of this, this behavior. My dad had a credit card, you know? So I, I was see. using, you can't live the way I was living and, and do the drugs that I was doing with a dog you know two clients for dogs you know so I just I didn't have a work ethic so basically I'm just saying I had a credit card that I could got it so during this period dad he did
0: what he thought thought was right he thought exactly yeah he loves you and and wanted to do the best he could for you so at 29 you said you went into treatment you remember what led to the point that you decided that you was at a bottom I mean I
1: hit a hundred bottoms along the way you know when I I think back about it because You know, eventually I drove out to California, which I was talking about earlier. I, at 22, I lived in Napa, you know, trying to become a winemaker. I ended up drinking uh, vodka and grape juice, you know, every day, you know, so. I'm sorry, I I don't
0: know if anybody told you this, but being a winemaker, there's no requirement to drink vodka and grape juice when you're a winemaker. I wish I knew, I wish I knew that. Things, Things could have been way
1: different. You could have called me and I would have told you, not a requirement. That's the beautiful thing. I wasn't calling anybody for advice. I was running the show, you know? I basically went into like alcoholic insanity out there. I was living in an apartment by myself, worked at a champagne vineyard for like two weeks, two months, you know, a month or something, and then for literally 10 months was just drinking in my apartment. And my dad said, maybe you should come home. I, you know, maybe you could come run this golf course. So I came home from California after just being a complete mess get A DWI a couple months after moving home, so that was one of my first bottoms, you know. Where I was like, All right, I got a problem, this is a problem. You know, it's like an aggravated DWI, drug possession in Saratoga Springs. Um, talk about uh comeback stories because I, you know, ended up living there sober, but all these times to get to that point of 29, I got married at one point, 26 years old. So, we do know <laughs> some things about that 10, 10 yes. year period, yes, yes. yes. Divorced eight months later, but that, but this—that's the story. Is just, it's just like the making it look like I got, you know, that I'm gonna figure it out. I was always the guy that was gonna figure it out. So much potential, you know, and it just—it got dark after the divorce. This other person came back into my life who happened to be a heroin addict, and I had wanted to be—I I had daydreamed about being a heroin addict since I was 21 years old, which is insane to think about. I thought it was like this romantic, like, oh, you know. And it's not romantic, I found out. So DWI 23, I learned I have a drinking problem. So I'll try out these opiates that I love. That kind of calms me down. I don't get in trouble when I'm on those. Uh, so it turned out, yeah, from 23 after the DWI, I became a daily pill user. Uh, Percocet, Oxy, the whole thing. Opiates from 23 to, to 29 date every day. 30 pills a day, stealing, you know, the whole thing. How did you get 30 pills a day? You figure it out. Stealing, you know, a lot of stealing, a lot of. None of it was uh, not a pharmacy, it was uh, um, street. Yeah, yeah, for, you know, or people that had the pills that weren't, you know, that actually were prescribed them that didn't want them. That's really when the opiates ramped up and it became an everyday thing. You know, at 23 years old till til 29. So six years of like severe opiate addiction. I had no idea that recovery was a thing. No idea, because I lived that, that way for so long. Didn't know there was another way to do this. You know, and, and always to, to go back to like, you know, it was alcohol, it was weed that, that treated my desire to escape. Opiates is what really, thats was the final like, that's, that's what I wanted. It just took me right out of reality, you know. Right. So 27 is when this girl, you know, I meet this person who introduces me to heroin finally. I've been asking, you know, since I was 21, to try to, you know, get me connected to heroin. For, for whatever reason, I couldn't find it. And this person said, I've seen the way you do drugs, I am not letting you do heroin. And finally, I got introduced to it at 27. I was able to to put together, you know, 15, 16 years of drug addiction without Going to the place that that took me, so that was a very quick uh, downfall. I was living in Rochester. My dad lives in Rochester. I lived with my grandpa back in Adams before I, you know, went to live with my dad in Rochester. And he and he was at this place that I used to live, cleaning my room, and he found a needle. And I had a therapy appointment the next day after he found this needle. He's like, I'm going to take you to your therapy appointment. I just found this new therapist because my my dad was like I gotta figure out what's wrong with this kid. We're there early and uh, I could feel this energy I could feel that he knew something and we're parked and he says "Uh, what's going on? He's like I just checked my my bank account and you stole a lot of money from me, You stole from your mother, You stole from your grandpa and I found this. He had a needle in his hand and he he said "I, I think it's Percocet. I just looked at him and I said I'm a heroin addict and I have been for a long time. I get, I'm get i like choked up thinking about it because uh, I never was on, I never got honest in my whole life, you know? And that moment just kind of s- sat there and he said, he's a very practical man, he said, well, you, you, you can't be on heroin. <laughs> and like him and I laughed at that. He, he said, so what do we do? I said, well, I get sick when I don't have it, you know, so I need to get into a detox. And we started Googling places you know, we had no idea. Together. Yeah, together. This is the first, I, I, I'm around this a long time. Mm. I have
0: never heard of an intervention <laughs> like right. this. This is beautiful. Yeah. took a long time. took 17 well, years. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't beautiful for everything that, uh, you know, came up before this. But that's a really nice way to be doing it. First, you're kind of laughing. Yeah. That you can't do it. Yeah. Ain't no, nothing <laughs> funny about it, but it is really funny that you're laughing yeah, about it. Yeah. And that you're all Googling to figure out about detoxes. So you, you must really have a great relationship with your dad. Especially
1: now, like the last five years, unbelievable. That's, that's great. It was a moment. It was, yeah, because I had never been honest and it just felt so good to be like that. When I said that, it was the greatest thing that, because I have been lying for so long, you know? Yeah, and you're right. It was my first surrender and like we did it together and so I say, yes, I'm a heroin addict, we Google, no, we have no idea what the hell to do. So I find this place, it's like a homeless shelter basically, because I had like, I had, you know, certain insurance, so I went to this place and it, he drops me off, we go in there, the person, I talk to the intake person, they're like, oh yeah, you definitely need detox, because I was doing like, you know, 50 bags a day, I was like, I was bad. I was 260 pounds, 270 pounds, Wow, not, it was a very big heroin addict. So I go in and and do the intake and then my dad says, all right, I'm gonna drive back and I'll get you your clothes. You're gonna stay here. So he drives 30 minutes to his house. And in that time, they take me to the waiting room and there's these people, you know, very intoxicated and saying a lot of crazy shit. And I'm waiting, you know, for my dad and I'm starting to get the itch. And I text my drug dealer and I told him to meet me right near where I was. So my dad's driving, I step out, meet this guy and apparently i'm acting funny because he accuses me of being a cop you know he says i got i got kids i got kids made me lift my shirt up because i was getting getting drugs from. him i was trying to be quick to get back to detox and uh so i get the drugs i do them my drug dealer says i don't believe you i say i'm going into detox that's why i'm acting this way he's like show me so he drives me to detox my dad's driving in from getting my clothes at the same time we park my dad's parked I walk past my dad, he's on his phone looking down, and when he walks in, I'm sitting in the waiting room where he left me, <laughs> and it's the obsession. So I stay at that detox two days. I meet this guy named Dean who says he has access to really good heroin, and he says we can leave. And I said, I have $1,200, the last, last $1,200 that I had. So we leave, at this point I told my family, family I'm a heroin addict, they're terrified. That's a huge deal, like they had no idea. And then I flee this detox and go on a five-day run. And at that point, my family got together and they found a really good treatment center that I went to. And I called my dad after five days of being in shady hotels and doing crazy, nearly life-ending shit. And I say, "I'm, I'm, I'm ready." And he says, "I'll be there in the morning. Came and picked me up. That was uh, September 11th, 2018, which is my sober date.
0: So that's the date you enter treatment.
1: Yep and you go there for how many days? 31 days. What'd you learn there? I learned about the 12 steps. I learned about community. I learned about connection, honesty, that that feels really good to be honest. Because again, I've been lying for so long that I, when I finally found somebody that was like, no, I've done that, I've been there. Like it was like this, like, I, I, and, I, and I'd never been 30 days sober in my life. Did the 29-year-old Blake find the answers that
0: the 12-year-old Blake was looking for?
1: Yes not immediately but it was like it was a gradual process of like my first year of recovery i was still you know there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of you know confusion and and just like what happened how did i get here but i asked this this guy who i became really close with my my friend marshall i said what what is this what is this life i was still asking the questions but it wasn't it wasn't you know ruling me and he goes that's none of your business and it was just like, yeah, just be of service. Be, help someone else. You're here to, to help the next person and to find peace. And you know, like, so I was starting to find these answers of like my, at least my questions. The chances of us even being here are a mil-
0: you know, millions to one, just mm-hmm. to be here. What's it all about type of thing? Yeah. It's like, that's really, that was a great answer that yeah. he gave you. Yeah. Because who the hell knows? Yeah. But we're here right now, however we are, and it's our job to, to do the best we can with what we've been given. Yeah. And it, that was a really
1: good answer that he I gave. I loved you. It. it. It shut me up. I need that direct, you know. So I'm in treatment. I'm 29 years old. Been using for 17 years. So they say this 31 days is great. You're very willing, but you're gonna need a little bit more help. So I go to I go to sober living at this this place in Westchester when I'm in treatment. This guy Zach, who's a, my mentor, you know. So he, so he comes to the treatment center to to speak, and I just relate to what he's saying, and I'm like that. Whatever that is, I, I want that, you know, that attraction, not promotion. You know, I took a chance and uh, went and visited this transitional living place, and I and I go to. So that's in in uh, Yorktown Heights. Yorktown York, Heights, Release Recovery. Release Recovery. Yeah. Little
0: plug for Release Recovery. Release Recovery. That's how I got here. You know. So you go from treatment
1: to release. Yep. Sober living, and you stay there for six months. Wow, six. I told, I said on the phone, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a month, and then I would have stayed forever if I could. But I got, I got offered a job there, I had seven months sober, and didn't have a ton of options. Again, I had zero money, I could have figured it out, but like that. This that's what I wanted to do. Why? In mm-hmm. that time, I was working at a clothing store part time, you know, and I kept telling my sponsor, like. What am I going to do? I'm 29. I, I, how am I going to make money? How am I going to live? And he's like, just keep talking about it, keep sharing about it, keep, you know, and a couple of weeks later I got offered that, you know, job and, and then it, it became a passion. What happened to me over the, the six months of living there by participating in, in what that program was doing, i had this tremendous change in myself and I think I was bought in of like, this works if you do this. And I was like very excited to, to help other people do that through vulnerability and honesty and just like cutting the bullshit of like, oh, it's got to be this, No, like, let's get real. Like, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? Like, yes, it became a passion. I love to, to pass it on. We were covering addicts
0: are pretty interesting people. And I think one of the reasons why we connect with each other so much is because we're able to, Kind of just get down to what exactly is going on in our lives, mm-hmm. uh, not you know trying to
1: get you to do anything. Just kind of you know be there for one another. Exactly. I want to continue to build a connection to a higher power, and like that's not a bullshit answer. Like I want I want to feel at peace. I want to be able to help more people. I want to just like be comfortable in my skin. Those are the things that I'm really thinking about. Deepen a connection to healing. I'm five years sober, I used for 17 years. Like, I got a long way to go to like undo a lot of that stuff. So like, I, got, I got a lot of work to do, and I just want to be you know there for my family. I want to build more relationships, grow professionally, and love. I just want more love, you know? That's it. What do you do for fun? So I go see music, you know, I try to get outdoors, I try to play basketball, hang out with my friends. I like to chill as well, like music, I like movies, and
0: chilling. Our intro and outro is music by a guy named Gregory Page. Mm. The song is Green Lights and Blue Skies. And before you leave this place, I want you to hear the song Green Lights and Blue Skies. Gregory's become a friend of mine. Sergio and I went out to San Diego on Greg's birthday. Greg and another one of their group members played the song Green Lights and Blue Skies and Greg asked me to introduce the song. Because wow. he knows how much I love the song. Talk about doing cool shit, right? <laughs> right. So I'm I'm there yeah. introducing the song. I had prepared something, and I didn't I couldn't get it on my phone. I didn't have the paper, or whatever. So I just start talking. And the first thing I say is, My name is Corey. I'm an alcoholic, <laughs> uh, but I think I'm in the wrong room. Because <laughs> you know, usually yeah. Yeah. I'm talking in a meeting. Yeah. Bob Dylan's my... My guy. He's the guy? Yeah. So, Blake, thank you so much for being here. Okay. This is what it's about. It's about, you know, uh, being able to help other people to, to see whether or not our stories can impact other people, to let people know that they're okay. It can be done. There's no reason why, if I did it and you did it, uh, you can't do it. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. All right. I'll get out. I'll get out. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. You're That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.